السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد So apologies for the late start we are as usual having some kind of technical difficulties um, but inshallah we're going to uh, carry on from where we left off last week and inshallah I hope to finish off the tafsir of Surah Nas this week So last week uh, we were on verse Number five or four? You, no, no, no one was paying attention last week. All right, four. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number four, min shabril waswasil khannas. Right, we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of mankind, the King of mankind, the God of mankind, from the evil of the retreating whisperer. Min shabril waswasil khannas. And I think last week we spoke about some detail concerning the word shar and evil and what it denotes and so on and so forth. And we spoke um, to some length, or at least we, we started to speak about the description that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to Iblis and to Shaytan in this particular surah. And if memory serves me correctly, when we were speaking about isti'adha, we spoke about the, dis- the different descriptions that Allah azza wa gives to Shaytan or the jinn in general in the Quran, right? that he calls them Marid, and he calls them Rajim, and he calls them Al-Waswas Al-Khannas. Right? These are the different adjectives that Allah Azza wa uses to describe Iblis and to describe Shaytan. So Al-Waswas Al-Khannas, this word Al-Waswas, right? which is the whisperer, right? the whisperer. The scholars of Tafsir, they differ as to what it refers to. Is it referring to uh, Iblis? Or is it referring to the whisperings? Is it referring to the one who whispers or to the whisperings itself? Right? So some of the scholars of tafsir, they said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to seek refuge in what? In the whispers. Right? In the whispers. And that was the opinion of a number of scholars of, of tafsir, like Ibn Qutaybah and Al-Baydawi and Al-Wahidi and Al-Razi and Az-Makhshari and many others, right? They said that what we seek refuge from in this verse is the whispers. And some of the other scholars of tafsir, and this is the second opinion, said, no, what we seek refuge from is the whisperer. We seek refuge from the whisperer, meaning shaitan, right? meaning iblis. And this was the opinion of Al-Alusi and Ibn Qayyim and Ibn Ashur and a number of other scholars of tafsir. Right? They said that we seek refuge in the whisperer. So some of the scholars said it's the whisperings that we seek refuge from, and some of the scholars said that it is the whisperer. And one of the reasons why we have this difference of opinion, and as you study the books of tafsir and you study tafsir in more and more depth, one of the things that you'll notice is that depending on the scholar who's writing the tafsir or is coming with that opinion, their background, their aqidah, their methodology, in all of that stuff plays a part in the opinions that they choose right, and the positions that they adopt. So, for example, you know, some, of the, um, you know, some of the scholars of tafsir, because of the background that they came from and the aqidahs that they held, some of them were of the opinion that concepts like the jinn and so on are metaphorical. Right? They're not physical. They're not actual concepts. The jinn don't actually exist. It is a state of mind, and it refers to uh, an inner evil. That's what's being referred to when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the jinn. And so they will say, for example, therefore, that Allah Azza wa Jal in these verses, he's speaking about the whispers and not necessarily the whisper, which is shaitan. Right? 
And that is an opinion that isn't supported by the Qur'an and the Sunnah because we know that the Qur'an and the Sunnah and its general texts, and there are many, many texts to that regard, in that regard, they speak about a physical jinn, right? an actual, literal species that is called the jinn, and they have certain powers and abilities that Allah Azza wa has given to them, and they do certain actions, and they have certain roles. Right? And so that's one of the reasons why you get these, you know, and often it seems like a very small, a very minute issue of difference of opinion, right? whether you seek refuge from the whisperer or from his whispers. Right? And so one of the reasons why that exists is because of some of those issues of aqidah and so on. And that's something to be aware of, especially when it comes to reading and studying tafsir. And that brings us to another issue, and that is that when we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, therefore from al-waswasa and al-waswas, the whisperer, are we seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from just the whisperings of shaitan, or is it from all of the evil of shaitan? Right, because what does Allah Azza wa Jal say? Min sharril waswas al khannas, from the evil of the whisperer. Right, and Allah Subhanahu wa if you take that opinion and that is the stronger opinion that it's referring to, iblis, right, or shaitan. We seek refuge in Allah from the whisperer. Therefore, is it just from the whisperings of shaitan that we're seeking refuge from, or all of the evil of shaitan, every evil that he brings? So again, the scholars differed into both camps. Some of them said that it is just the whisperings of shaitan, right? And even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention this explicitly, he says the whisperer, it is from the forms of eloquence in the Arabic language. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the source of the whisperings rather than the action. It is more eloquent in the Arabic language. So for example, uh, to give you another example from the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the different female relatives that it is haram for a man to marry. Right? There are certain female relatives, blood relatives and so on, that we are not allowed to marry. It is haram for us to marry. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ It is haram for you, your mothers. Right? That's the literal translation. Haram for you are who? Your mothers. Right? Obviously now the verse doesn't mean that your mothers are haram for you in the general sense. What's it referring to? It's referring to marriage. Right? As, as if Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, it is haram for you to marry your mothers. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't say, he doesn't use the word marriage or nikah. He just says, haram for you are your mothers. Why? Because in the Arabic language, it is more eloquent to remove that verb and to just go straight to your mothers. Right? It is more eloquent. Meaning that it is a very grave sin. It is extremely haram. It is a major sin to marry these female relatives. Right? Your sisters, your daughters, your mothers, your maternal aunts, your paternal aunts, your nieces, whether from your brother's side, your mother's side, all of those people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists in that verse. Right? Those people are haram for you to marry. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't use the verb of marriage because it is more eloquent in the Arabic language. Just as, for example, in another example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةِ Carry on meat is haram for you, right? Dead meat, meaning animals that die by themselves, they become dead meat. It is haram for you to consume. But Allah doesn't say in the Quran, it is haram for you to eat the meat of carrion. Allah says, carrion is haram for you. Right? Haram for you is carrion, meaning it is haram for you generally, right? And again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't use the verb because in Arabic, to miss out the verb makes it a stronger prohibition. 
So those scholars, the point of this being that those scholars that said that it refers to just the whisperings of shaitan, they said exactly the same thing. In this verse, in Sharr al-Waswas, Allah doesn't use the word whisperings, he goes straight to Iblis, the source of whisperings. Right? The source of the whisperings. And that is shaitan and Iblis. And they say, therefore, it is haram, or rather we seek refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the whisperings of shaitan. Right? And that's an opinion of some of the scholars. Other scholars said, like Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, that actually the verse refers to all of the evil of shaitan. All of the evil of Iblis. Because it is not just the whisperings of shaitan that we seek refuge from, but it is the way that they settle within our hearts, the way that it spreads within our bodies, and it translates into words and deeds and actions and other thoughts, and the way that it then impacts if we act upon them, the way that it impacts ourselves and other people and so on. It is a whole system of evil that we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from. Right? And that is no doubt like a more eloquent position to have, right? that when we seek refuge in Allah azza wa from shaitan, it is not just the single whisper that we seek Allah's protection from, but rather it is from everything. And the sunnah also, um, you know, the hadith that you find in the sunnah, they also go to support this. In the hadith in Al-Bukhari of Abu Huraira radiallahu the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that when one of you sleeps, shaitan comes and he ties three knots. Right, he ties three knots. And he says to the person who's asleep, sleep tonight and have a long sleep. Right, sleep tonight and have a long sleep. So if a person wakes up and they remember Allah, meaning they make their dua of waking up, they remember Allah, one of those knots is untied. And then if they go and they make wudu, a second knot is untied. And then if they pray, meaning fajr, the third knot is untied. And so that person wakes up and they're energetic and they, have, you know, they, they, they go about their day with energy. Whereas if they miss one of those three, they don't remember Allah, they don't make wudu, they didn't pray, then the Prophet said, they wake up and they are wretched and they are lazy. Right? They are wretched and they are lazy. The point of this hadith is what the shaitan's evil isn't just his whisperings. Right? Shaitan, his evil is in more than just his whisperings, it is a greater form of evil. So when we seek refuge in Allah from shaitan, it is not just the whisperings that he adds, or the whisperings that he gives, but rather it is from everything that he does, all of the evil. So likewise, in the other hadith, the Prophet told us وسلم, uh, that when a person sleeps, shaitan comes, and he, and this is also in Al-Bukhari, shaitan comes and he urinates in the ear of a person who is sleeping, and that person who doesn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before they go to sleep. Shaitan comes and he urinates in the ear. Urinates in the ear, why? So they don't wake up, right? They don't wake up for Fajr, they don't hear the Adhan, they sleep past Fajr, and so on and so forth. Um, and likewise, we also know from another hadith of the Prophet wasallam that if a person enters home, enters their house, and they don't remember Allah, they don't use the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, invoke the name of Allah, Shaitan says to his followers, you have a place to sleep tonight. Meaning the shaitan, enter your house with you. And then if you eat and you don't remember Allah, meaning you don't say Bismillah before you eat, shaitan says, not only do you have a night or place to spend the night, but you also have dinner as well. Right? You have food as well. Because those shayateen, those jinn, they eat with our food as well, with us as we're eating that food. Whereas a person who remembers Allah when they enter their house, 
and they remember Allah before they eat, Shaytan says to his followers, to his jinn, his army, there is no place for you here tonight, and there is no food for you here tonight. Right? And all of these hadith that you find in the sunnah go to show the point that Ibn Qayyim and others, the position that they took, that Shaytan is evil, is greater than his whisperings. Right? Shaytan, his traps are more than just his whisperings. He has other uh, you know, like tactics at his disposal that he uses to ward or, or stray people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, he said, and the scholars who took that position, that when we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from shaytan or from al-waswas, the whisperer, it is not just from the whisperings, but rather from all of the evil that shaytan represents. Right? All of the evil that shaytan brings and that shaytan represents. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says al-khannas. Right? That's the second attribute or second adjective given to shaytan. And as we said last week, al-khannas in the Arabic language literally means uh, the one who retreats, right? the one who hides, the one who goes into hiding, but he's still there. Doesn't mean that he's disappeared, doesn't mean that he's left. He's there, but he is in a state of retreat, a state of hiding. And then he will come back. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this word or the root word of khannas in another verse in the Quran. Anyone, can anyone tell me? Also in the 30th juz. The same word of khannas, right? The root word. Slightly different khannas, but the same root word. Also in the 30th juz of the Quran. Khunnas, right? In Surah Al-Takweer, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالْخُنَّس Right? And it comes from the same root word. Khannas, khunnas, come from the same root word. Right? Allah Azza wa takes an oath by al-khunnas. What is al-khunnas? Some of the scholars said it refers to the stars. Why al-khunnas called stars? Why do the stars, or why are the stars called al-khunnas? Because they also retreat. Right? They're hidden. Right? They haven't disappeared. They haven't left. They're still there. But they are hidden from us during daylight hours. And then at night they reappear. So have the stars left? Have they been destroyed? Have they been taken away? No. They're there, but they've been hidden from us. They have retreated. And other scholars of tafsir, and we're not going to tafsir of that verse, but just so that we understand the point. Some of the other scholars of tafsir, they said that it refers to animals that, have, that, that are nocturnal. Right? Or animals that retreat when danger comes into their burrows, into their caves. They retreat. They haven't left, but they have retreated. And so some of the scholars said that's what it refers to. Allah Azza wa seeks or takes an oath by this type of creation. Whether it be the stars or other than the stars, the point is that it comes back to the same root word, and that is the root word of hiding, of retreating, of being temporarily absent. And that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes shaitan and iblis. Because shaitan never leaves. Shaitan retreats, shaitan goes into hiding, but shaitan will always return at the first opportunity that is available. And I think last week, like we, we ended with some of the statements of the scholars to their effect. But just to go over them again, uh, just to make sure that we cover them all, Sa'id ibn Jubair, rahimahullah ta'ala, who's one of the famous scholars of the Tabi'een, one of the giants of the Tabi'een, one of the major scholars from the students of the companions, he said that the meaning of this verse is that when a person remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, shaitan retreats. And then when they become heedless of Allah, neglectful of Allah, forget about Allah, shaitan reappears. Right? So shaitan is constantly, constantly in flux between these two positions. Shaitan is there, 
But when a person is strong in Iman, they're praying, they're reading Quran, they're worshipping Allah, they're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're making dhikr of Allah, shaitan goes into hiding. Right? Just as he does in the salah. Right? When the adhan is given, what does shaitan do? Right? We cover this hadith before shaitan runs away. Right? He flees the masjid. And then the hadith says, what? once the adhan is given and it's finished, what does shaitan do? He comes back. Back in the masjid. And then when the iqama is given, what does shaitan do? He runs out again. Right? Flees again. And then once the iqama is finished, what does shaitan do? He comes back. And that's when he whispers to a person in the salah, and he says to them, remember such and such, remember such and such, remember such and such. Right? And that's the hadith of the Prophet So shaitan is running away. When Allah is being remembered openly, and it's a strong remembrance of Allah, he runs away. But then that shaitan, when he comes back to the masjid, you have 50 people in the masjid in salah, 100 people, 200 people, 2,000 people, 10,000 people in the masjid. Is he affecting every single one of them in the same way? No, not necessarily. Because there are people who are concentrating in their salah, they have khushur, their mind is attentive, they're, they're, you know, they're there with their salah, and shaitan isn't affecting those people. He's not whispering to those people. But he's whispering to other people who are standing in the same masjid, praying the same salah, in the same row, perhaps standing next to that first person that we just mentioned. But this person, the second person, is heedless. They're not really concentrating on the salah for whatever reason. Their heart isn't really attentive for whatever reason. So shaitan comes to them and he confuses them. He whispers to them. Shaitan comes and he takes them away. And this is what al-khannas is. One who retreats. Right? And it is an individual approach for each and every single person. It's not a blanket strategy. Meaning that not everyone, just because they're in the same locality, shaitan will either affect them all or not affect them all. Shaitan will come and he will individualize his strategy depending upon the person. And that's why some of the scholars of tafsir, like Al-Qatada, Qatada is from the students of Ibn Abbas, عنهما, a famous scholar of tafsir. He said that Shaitan has a snout like the snout of a dog. Right, that's how he whispers. This is how he said it. Another scholar said that he has the head of a snake. Right, so when he comes to the and the, the point of this is that it is very precise, right? That shaitan, when he whispers, it's not just a general thing. Shaitan knows our weaknesses, knows which desires to point us towards that we are more likely to succumb to, and that is what shaitan uses. It is very precise, right? Just as a snake, when it strikes, is extremely fast and precise, right? It's not something, you know, and, and like, likewise, a, a dog, its sense of smell, is extremely strong, right? It is far, far stronger than any human. And so therefore, it is something extremely precise that shaitan does when he comes to these people and he, and he not only does he whisper, but he gives them false promises and he gives them umniyat, uh, which are wishes, right? He makes them wish for things that they shouldn't be wishing for. Another from amongst the scholars, they said that when shaitan comes, he comes to a person and he whispers to them. And he whispers to them at times of happiness and at times of sadness, at times of grief. So shaitan uses whatever situation we're in and he uses it as a way to strike or move us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when a person is extremely happy, they're full of joy, for whatever reason it is, shaitan can use happiness as a means 
of <coughs> moving away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise the opposite, right? If a person is in grief and sadness and sorrow and despair, shaitan can likewise come and use it as a means of taking a person away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Ibn Abi Shayba rahimahullah in his Musannaf, the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba is a great collection of hadith and narrations. Uh, and one of the things that the Musannafat are known for, these books that are called the Musannaf, is they bring to you many narrations of the companions and the scholars. So it's not just a hadith, right? The books of Sunan are hadith only. They don't really mention the statements of the companions. But the books that are known as Musannaf, like Abdul Razak, Ibn Abi Shayba, and others, they collect also the statements of the companions. Right? and the views of the companions and so on. Because obviously the two are of a different level. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is different to the statements of the scholars and the companions. So Ibn Abi Shayba in his Musannaf, he says that Ibrahim al-Taymi, rahimahullah, one of the scholars of the past, he said that the first thing that shaitan will come and whisper to us about is wudu. Right? Shaitan begins in wudu. Right? And you know many of us know this, shaitan will come to people and he will make them doubt the validity of their wudu. So sometimes as a person, Akramakumullah comes out of the bathroom, shaitan comes to them, and he says, no, you, you know, you, a drop of urine came out, right? Or you haven't made istinja properly, or you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't purified yourself properly, you need to go back. That person goes back, they come out, and again they think that they've done it again. They go a second time and a third time, and there are people that I know, and people that have come to me, that say that a whole salah will go away, right? A whole, whole salah time would elapse, and they're still going back and forth, back and forth. Right? And that is a trap of shaitan. Because that's what shaitan does. This person is busying themselves in their mind with tahara, right? with wudu, with worshipping Allah, with trying to get it right. But in essence, what have they done? They've committed a sin because they've allowed the whole time of salah to go. Dhuhr is finished, especially in the winter. Right? It's only like an hour anyway. Dhuhr is finished, or maghrib, which is very short. Maghrib has elapsed, and this person still isn't sure that they have, are even ready to make wudu. Forget about you know, wudu. They're still worried about the first stage of going to the bathroom. And then he does the same with wudu. You didn't wash your hands properly. You didn't wash your face properly. You didn't wash your feet properly. And again and again and again, shaitan makes them return. Right? And even if they finish their wudu and they walk off, shaitan still whispers to them. So they're constantly in doubt. Right? Never feel any sakina, no tranquility, no peace. No, you know, they're constantly in the state of worry that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't accepted their deeds, their actions because they haven't performed them correctly. And other scholars like Abdullah ibn Mughaffal, he said that the first thing that shaitan will come and he will whisper to a person about is the bathroom. Right? That's what we said, right? Either wudu or the bathroom, meaning that shaitan comes to the most basic of deeds and actions, things that you know many of us take for granted. But for others, from amongst our brothers and sisters, other Muslims, they find it extremely difficult to just finish that stage and go on to the next stage of salah. And then even in salah, shaitan will come and a person's like, oh, did I break my wudu? Did I break my wudu? Did I do this? And so shaitan comes and he plays with the person over and over again. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah said, not a single child is born except that shaitan comes and he begins to whisper to them. Right? Shaitan comes at the time of childhood because we know that shaitan is there from the very beginning. Shaitan comes and he's ready to whisper. So when a person reaches the age of maturity, if they remember Allah, he retreats. And if they don't remember Allah, he whispers to them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in this verse, verse number four, tells us to seek refuge from the evil of shaitan. And then he describes 
the trait of shaitan that is most dangerous to us, and that is the whisperings of shaitan. And um, I think we spoke about this last week, or maybe we didn't. I don't. Problem is, I don't remember. Every week, week on week off, I actually don't remember what we said last week. So if I like repeat stuff, either tell me or just like just go with it, right? Um, and so shaitan, Allah subhanahu wa taala tells us that he makes us false promises that he whispers to us, right? And I think we mentioned this last week now, if I, if I can remember correctly, that shaitan, his greatest weapon is his whispers, right? And that's why Yom Al-Qiyamah, when people come and they, and they stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Azza wa judges between them, and then they come to complain to shaitan, shaitan will say to them, all I did was call you and you responded. That's the whole weapon of shaitan. Shaitan doesn't take anyone hostage, doesn't hurt anyone, doesn't kidnap anyone, doesn't take anyone's money away. Shaitan's weapon is whispering. And that is so grave and so dangerous that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us it's dangerous. We said last week because he didn't say seek refuge from Allah in shaitan or from the one who whispers. He said from the evil of that whisperer. Because it is evil, everything that he does is evil. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to again further emphasize this, He says, The one who whispers into the chests or the breasts of humans. Right? And again, it's emphasis upon emphasis upon emphasis. Because Allah calls it evil, then Allah calls him a whisperer. So we know He whispers. The fact that Allah calls him a whisperer shows us that He whispers. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what it is that he does specifically that we should be so careful of. Alladhi yuwaswis. The one who whispers. And in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions three types of whisperings. Right? Three types of whisperings. The first whispering is the whispering of the soul. Right? What we whisper to ourselves. And the second whispering is the whispering of shaitan. And the third whispering is the whispering or shaitan or the jinn. Right, the, the, the devils of the jinn. And the third whispering is the devils of the humans. Three types of whisperings. One is our own soul, our self. Number two is the whispering of the devils from amongst the jinn. And number three is from the devils from amongst the humans. Right? And Allah in different parts of the Quran, different verses, he mentions all three. So the first one, which is our own whispering, right? Whispering of our self. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Qaf, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَنَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُ تُوَسْوِسُ Right, the word for whispering. Indeed, we have created man, and we know that which he whispers to himself. That which he whispers to himself. Because we often whisper to ourselves, and we often have thoughts that are bad within our minds, right? And from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His mercy, is that so long as you don't act upon those thoughts, Allah azza wa has forgiven it, right? Allah has forgiven Allah has forgiven for my ummah that which it speaks to itself about, meaning in your mind, the thoughts that occur, so long as you don't act upon them, so long as there is no intention, like firm conviction to do something, so long as there is no action or statement or word or deed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven this. Right? That is the nafs, the soul, whispering to us. Right? Our own souls whispering to us. Allah says we created mankind and we know what the soul whispers to itself. In Surah Yusuf, Allah says, Inna nafsa bisu illa marahima rabbi. Indeed, the soul commands itself to do evil. 
except for those who have the mercy of my Lord. Right? Shaytan or a person, and even if shaitan is the one who planted that seed, but we make it bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And so we whisper to ourselves, right? Or we, uh, we listen to our, the desires of our souls. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ would seek refuge in the evil of himself, right? We seek refuge from the evil of ourselves. So like, for example, in the khutbah to hajjah the Prophet ﷺ used to say, وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ شُرُورِ أَنفُسِنَا We seek Allah's protection from the evil of ourselves and the evil of our actions, right? And from the adhkar of the morning and the evening is the dua in which we say, وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ شَرِّ نَفْسِ Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the evil of myself. So that's the first type of whispering that Allah mentions in the Qur'an. The second type of whispering is the whispering of shaitan. Whether that be Iblis himself or his armies from the jinn. And that's mentioned mostly in the context of the story of Adam alayhi salam. It's mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf, mentioned in Surah Taha, right? These different surahs of the Quran, which Allah mentions the story of Adam and Iblis, right? The story of creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَوَسْوَسَ إِلَيْهِ الشَّيْطَانِ That when Adam was in Jannah and Iblis had already been outcast, he came to Adam and he whispered to him, قَالَ يَا آدَمْ And he said to him, Oh Adam, هَلْ أَدُلُّكَ عَلَى شَجَرَةِ الْخُلْدِ وَمُلْكٍ لَا يَبْلَى Shall I not point you towards the tree of eternity and a kingdom that will never diminish? Because that was the promise of shaitan, or Iblis to Adam, that if you eat from this tree, what will happen? You will have eternity. You won't die, and you will be given a kingdom that will be eternal as well. Right? So Allah Azza wa Jal mentions this. In Surah Araf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَوَسْوَسَ لَهُمَا الشَّيْطَانِ لِيُبْدِيَ لَهُمَا مَا غُورِيَ عَنْهُمَا مِنْ سَوْآتِهِمَا Shaytan whispered to them both, meaning Adam and his wife Hawa, and he showed to them the nakedness that was before then covered. Right? Because they were naked, but Allah had covered their nakedness. Meaning that they didn't understand or they didn't know. Or it wasn't something that their attention was brought to. But once Shaytan had whispered to them, they understood this. And they became ashamed. Right? They, they understood that they were unclothed. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses in both of these surahs the verb of shaitan this time being the one who whispers. And then the third one which is the whispering of the, the devils of humans is when mentioned in this surah, surah Nas, when Allah says in the final verse, min al-jinnati one nas, and we'll speak about what the scholars of Tafsir said about that in more detail inshallah uh, in a short while. So Allah going back to this verse, al-ladhi nas right? He is the one who whispers into the hearts of people. Right into the chests of people. And the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the hadith in Al-Bukhari, there is not a single one of you, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them a qareen. Qareen in the Arabic language means a close companion or an associate. And what the Prophet is referring to here is a shaitan, right, a devil. And the name given to this devil is qareen. There is not a single one of you, except that he has with them a qareen. Right? Meaning an accompanying devil. And we know in another hadith that the Prophet said that indeed shaitan flows in the child of Adam the way blood flows in the veins. Right? Shaitan is there. So they said, O Messenger of Allah, and what about you? There's not a single person except that he has a qareen, this devil. O Messenger of Allah, <laughs> what about you? He said, and me also. Except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me the ability to overcome him 
And now it only commands me with good. Right? I have overcome that shaitan, and now shaitan only commands me with good. In one version of the hadith, did they not say that he became Muslim? Yeah, in one version of one version of the hadith, for Aslam, he accepted Islam, which shows, and you know, this is like another point as well that we know that the jinn amongst them are believers and disbelievers and righteous and unrighteous and so on. And Surah Al Jinn in the 29th Jews of the Quran is a statement of the jinn to this effect, right? Right? They speak that there are Muslims from amongst us and non-Muslims. People who are righteous and people who are righteous and so on and so forth. Right? So this is one hadith. Another hadith, and I think we, um, we, we may have mentioned this before as well, but this is also in Al-Bukhari, the hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu. When the Prophet sallallahu was making itikaf one night in the masjid, and one of his wife Safiya radiallahu anha, one of the mothers of the believers, she came and she, she visited the Prophet sallam, and she sat with him. And then as she was wanting to leave, the Prophet وسلم, and this is night time because it's itikaf, right? It's night time. She, he decided to accompany her home, right? Take her home, escort her home. Which, you know, just as a side point shows, you know, it's one of the proofs for when you're making itikaf, if there's a necessity for you to leave the masjid, it's allowed for you to leave, right? People have to go, you know, because they have to use the bathroom or they have to do something to go and get food or whatever. If there's a, a need or a necessity, you leave the masjid, it's allowed for you, right? And the Prophet ﷺ did this even though he was making itikaf. So the point is that they're walking at night and it's dark. And as the Prophet ﷺ is walking with his wife Safiya, two companions are walking in the opposite direction. And they see the Prophet ﷺ with a woman and she's covered. They don't know who she is and they can't tell. And they speed up, right? They start to walk faster. So the Prophet ﷺ saw them speeding up and, they, and he said to them, slow down, for it is only Safiya. Right? Slow down, you don't need to hurry up. No, there's nothing going on here. It is my wife, Safiya. They said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, we never thought any bad. Right? We weren't speeding up because we thought, Oh, you know, something's going on here. We would never think that. The Prophet ﷺ said, I know, but it is Shaitan who comes and he plants the seed in the hearts of the people. Right? So Shaitan comes, and this is the whispering of Shaitan that Allah is referring to. Right? That's the evil of Shaitan. Right? That Shaitan comes, something that is even innocent. No, nothing going on. Completely innocent. But shaitan will come and he will plant the seed of evil there. And that's why, for example, the Prophet ﷺ, also going back to whispering, he said, if there's three of you, don't let one of you or two of you whisper to one another at the exclusion of the third. Right? When there's three people, and this is often like amongst children, but even amongst adults, there's three people, don't let two of you <laughs> whisper to one another at the exclusion of the third. Now those two people who are whispering, they may be praising that third person, right? They may be, I don't know, planning something good for him. Could be anything. The point is that that third person will feel, at the very least, left out. And that's when shaitan comes, and he plants seeds of discord and enmity and jealousy and hatred and all of those other things, right? So the sharia, it's amazing, right? It doesn't just look at the external, it looks at the internal and the emotional needs of people as well. So, alladhi yuwaswis. Right, so the Prophet is saying this hadith, it's my wife Safiya, but shaitan will come and you will plant the seed of doubt in, in a person. And we know that this happened because in the story of the slander of Aisha radiallahu anha, that's exactly what happened. Right? Aisha radiallahu anha is escorted home because she's left behind by the army and the, the whole caravan of Muslims. So one companion who was at the back, right, and he was making sure that there was no one 
astray, no one lost, no one falling behind. He found Aisha radiallahu anha and he escorted her back to Medina. And that's where the rumors begin to spread. And the slander of Aisha begins. Right? It's those doubts that shaitan places in the minds of people. And so, Allah, so the Prophet tells us that shaitan, not only does he whisper, but he's extremely overjoyed when those whispers take fruition. Right? When those whispers come and they're enacted upon or they yield results. So you have the hadith, for example, of uh, shaitan, his throne is on the sea, and every day he sends out his armies. And in the evening they come back and they give him his report, their reports. And they say to Iblis, one of them will say, I caused so-and-so to commit murder. And he says, okay. And another one, I, commit, I caused so-and-so to steal. And, and so on and so forth. Until one of them comes and he says, I today caused a husband and wife to split. So Iblis says to that jinni, that devil, you come and sit next to me. Right? You are the one that I will give a special place of honor to. So shaitan becomes extremely happy when these whisperings take hold and they bring results, the results that he desires. And that's why when the Prophet ﷺ on one occasion, one of the companions was riding behind him. And the riding animal of the Prophet ﷺ stumbled. Stumbled. So the companion became upset because it's stumbling and the Prophet ﷺ could have been thrown off, could have fallen, could have got injured, could have hurt himself. So he said, may shaitan be cursed. Right? Shaitan be cursed. And there's a difference between seeking refuge in Allah and cursing shaitan and just cursing shaitan and saying shaitan be cursed. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, don't curse shaitan like this. Because when you do so, shaitan becomes bigger and bigger. And he becomes more arrogant and proud. And he says, it is because of me that this happened. Whereas when you remember Allah or you seek Allah's protection, shaitan diminishes and becomes smaller until he becomes like a fly. Right? Meaning he has no power to harm you with that. Can't do anything. He's like a fly. He's a nuisance, yes, but you can swat him away, right? Swat him away. He's just a nuisance. Whereas when you don't remember Allah and you ascribe it to Shaitan, Shaitan, because Shaitan was the reason for this, even though he is the reason, but you give him that power, Shaitan becomes bigger, more arrogant, more proud, and he says, It is because of me that this took place. So the Prophet warned us about this, right? Sudur. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak about the chests of people? Right? Some of the scholars said, and this is the opinion of, uh, of the majority, and it is the stronger opinion, they said that it refers to the chest. Right? And other scholars said, of tafsir, they said that it refers to the heart. Right? So when Allah says, the one who whispers in the chests of mankind, some of them said, what's actually meant is the hearts of people. Right? Another scholar said, no, what's meant is the chests. Including the heart, because the heart is placed within the chest. But he means more than just that. Right? Why? Number one, he means more than just that, because then it shows that you're seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the evil of shaitan is not just limited to the heart. But rather it spreads from the heart across the blood and it goes through across the whole body, right? Using the, the way that the, uh, the, the blood is pumped throughout the body, shaitan also spreads his evil in the same way. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ likened shaitan in the body to the way that blood flows. So they said that Allah on purpose he uses the word sudur. Other scholars say no, it refers to just the heart because the heart is the center of you know, where we, our intention comes from and all of those powerful emotions that we have, it comes from the heart. 
And the stronger opinion Allah Azza wa knows best is that Allah Azza wa refers to sudur because it is sudur. Right? Allah Azza wa refers to chests because that is what he's referring to. And when you look at generally in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran generally sudur and qalb, there is a slight difference right, between the word sadr which means chest in the Quran and qalb which means heart. The word qalb in the Quran is normally associated with the capacity to think and have iman and be intelligent. Right? Qalb in the Arabic language is normally used with that capacity of intelligence and iman. Right? And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal, when he, when he rebukes the disbelievers, for example, and so on, he says, Do they not have hearts with which they can contemplate and understand? And Allah uses the word hearts. Because now he's referring to what? Their capacity to think, their capacity to understand, their capacity to contemplate and have iman and belief and so on. Whereas in one verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses both of them. The word sadr in the Arabic language is more generic. can refer to good and evil. It can have the capacity to do good and evil. It is more generic and more general than the word heart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِيَبْتَلِيَ اللَّهُ مَا فِي صُدُورِكُمْ وَلْيُمَحِّصَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ uses both words. وَلِيَبْتَلِيَ اللَّهُ مَا فِي صُدُورِكُمْ صَدَرْ وَلْيُمَحِّصَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ Allah Azza wa says so that he may test what is in your chests and that he may purify what is in your hearts. Right? Test the chests. Why? Why does Allah Azza wa use the word chest when he speaks about testing? Because a person in a test can do Good or bad, right? Good or evil. There is the capacity for both. It is more generic. Whereas when it comes to the heart, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He will purify the heart. Right? It is more specific. So, and likewise, there are other examples of this as well. Some of the scholars said, for example, in the verse of uh, Surah Al Qasas, in the story of the mother of Musa alayhi salam, when Allah azza wa uses two words to describe the heart. Right, he uses the third, first word for heart as fu'ad. And the heart of the mother of Musa became empty. Meaning when she realized that her son, Musa salam, was in the basket in the river, and, it had, and, it had, and the current of the river had taken it down river. She lost her son. In kadat latubdi bihi, she was about to scream and shout for help. Lawla arrabatna ala qalbiha. Not fu'adiha, qalbiha. Were it not that we had made her heart strong and firm. So why didn't Allah Azza wa use qalb for both words or, or fu'ad for both words? Why does he use in the same verse two different words for heart? Because the second one is about the capacity to have iman and intelligence. The first one in fu'ad, she realizes that her son has gone down river and she's lost him. Lost Musa alayhi salam. And like any parent, any mother, any father, she's overcome and distraught with emotion. Lost her son, right? She's been you know, planning so many weeks and months that when the soldiers of Pharaoh come, she will take her son, place him in the river, tie up the basket to a post or a pillar, and then the soldiers will come in, they won't see a child, and her son will be saved, inshallah. That's her plan. But in the panic of the situation and the moment, when she takes her son and places him in the river, she forgets to tie the basket. So now the basket is going down river. So when she comes to retrieve her son, the soldiers have left, she's relieved, Alhamdulillah, you know, my son's safe, they didn't find him, and so on. She comes out, and what does she find? She's lost him anyway. 
So Allah says, her heart becomes empty. Because it's all emotion. All emotion. Empty. She would have screamed, but then she realized what? That if she screams, whose attention will she attract? The very same soldiers that she was trying to hide him from. So she has two choices. The first choice is she screams for help and someone saves her son, pulls the basket out of the river. But most likely those soldiers will come to see and know what, what the commotion is and they'll kill him anyway. Or number two, the second option is what? She trusts in Allah. Leaves his affairs to Allah. And so Allah says, We made her heart strong and firm so that she would be from the believers. Gives her the capacity of intelligence and iman, and he uses the word qalb. So likewise here, Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, It is more generic, because when shaitan whispers, sometimes we respond and sometimes we don't. And when we respond, it's because at that moment, without thinking with the iman that Allah Azza wa has given to us, or with the intelligence that Allah has endowed us with, it's a moment of weakness, of heedlessness, of neglect, and so Allah Azza just says, الَّذِي يُوَسْوِسُ فِي صُدُورِ النَّاسِ الَّذِي يُوَسْوِسُ فِي صُدُورِ النَّاسِ And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala uses these words, الَّذِي يُوَسْوِسُ فِي صُدُورِ النَّاسِ Number one, so that we understand the danger. Right? We understand how dangerous shaitan and his whisperings are. Meaning they strike at the very core of a person. Shaitan's whisperings, unlike the whisperings that we give to one another, where do our whisperings begin from? The ear, right? Sometimes they reach the heart and sometimes they don't. When shaitan whispers, does he whisper in the ear? No. He goes directly to the chest and to the heart. And so Allah describes not only the evil of shaitan, the weapon that he uses, but then the place of attack as well. Right? And look at how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, is giving us all of this information so that we can prepare ourselves, fortify ourselves. Right? You're told who is going to attack you, how they're going to attack you, and when and where they're going to attack you. Right? You know, if this was you know, a military thing, that's like giving everyone like the whole defense plan. Right? There's nothing left. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that. And another reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this as well is to show how we need to prepare ourselves for it. Right? Because as we know, generally in the Sunnah, in the Quran, we're told to fortify the heart. Right? The heart is the one that if it is righteous, the body becomes righteous. If it is corrupt and evil, the rest of it becomes corrupt and evil as well. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Shaitan, he goes for the kill. Shaitan goes straight to the heart, and that's what he begins with. And then in the final verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ nas." From humans and from jinn. The one who whispers into the chests of people. From jinn and from people. What does that mean? Right? He's the one who whispers into the chests of people from jinn and from people. Right? There are a number of different opinions as to what this means. The final verse. From jinn and people. What does it mean? The first opinion and this is the opinion of many of the scholars of, of tafsir, is that it refers to the whisperers, the types of whisperers, that they are from the jinn and from the humans. So we seek refuge in Allah from shaitan, from the one who whispers and retreats, the one who whispers into the chests of people, and from those whisperers can be from the jinn or from the people. And that's why I was referring to earlier 
that when Allah refers to whisperings in the Quran, you have the whispering of the soul to itself, the whispering of the jinn, and the whispering of humans. And the verse that speaks about the whisperings of humans is the final verse of Surah Al-Nas. So we are told that the people, the ones who whisper, can either be human or can be jinn. The jinn is easy. And then likewise from the human you have devils, people who encourage you to do evil and to disobey Allah and to ignore Allah and to neglect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on and so forth. And so that is also from, and Allah mentions this in the Quran in another verse when he says, Shayateen al jinni wal ins, right? Shayateen insi wal jinn. Kadalika ja'alna li kulli nabiyin aduwan shayateen al insi wal jinn. And likewise, we placed for every single prophet enemies, devils of humans and devils from the jinn. And in that verse, Allah speaks about the enemies of the prophets. He begins with humans before he begins with jinn. Whereas in this surah, he begins with the jinn, mean al jinnati, and then he goes to the humans. And the reason is because in the Quran, Allah always mentions the ones that are most dangerous or most important in context to what he is speaking about. So when it comes to the prophets, where is the greatest danger coming from? From the people, right? Because Allah has safeguarded them from the jinn and so on and so forth and from the whisperings of shaitan. We know that the prophets don't commit sins, right? Allah has preserved them from that. Where is their evil coming from therefore? Where is their harm coming from? From their own people, from their followers. Whereas in Surah An-Nas, what is the major evil when we're speaking about the whisperings and the context of the surah? It is from jinn. Right? And that's why Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous scholar amongst the tabi'een, he said that the shaitan or the, sh- or the jinn, the whisperings of the jinn are hidden. Whereas the whisperings of the people are open and apparent. Someone comes and they tell you to disobey Allah, you know where they're coming from. Right? You're, they're right there in front of you, it's an open attack. Whereas the more dangerous attack in this context is the whisperings of the jinn or of shaitan, because that is what is hidden. Right? That's what's planted directly in the heart. And if you're not aware of this, then there is something which you don't know and you're not, um, you're not, you know, you're not ready to ward off. Others from amongst the scholars of tafsir, and that first opinion, by the way, was the opinion of al-Hasan al-Basri and al-Sabuni and Ibn Ashur and Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim and al-Shawkani and al-Qurtubi, and the list goes on and on and on. Right? They said that it refers to the jinn from amongst the humans and men. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the two types of whispers, the two types of whisperings that can come. They can come from humans and from jinn. The second opinion among some of the scholars is that it is describing who the whisperings are about. It is about the jinn and the men. <laughs> so we seek refuge in Allah from the whisperings of shaitan. What does shaitan whisper about? About jinn and about humans. How does he whisper about the jinn? He makes us afraid of them. Or he makes us believe that, that the jinn are the ones who can harm us and benefit us and they control some good and they control some evil or they can give us respite and so on. You know, in Jahiliyyah, it was common among some of the Arabs that they would you know, ward off the jinn by sacrificing to them and by doing certain things to them because they believed in the powers that the jinn had. And Allah mentions, mentions this in Surah Al-Jinn. وَأَنَّهُ كَانَ رِجَالٌ مِنَ الْإِنسِ يَعُوذُونَ بِرِجَالٍ مِنَ الْجِنِّ there were people from amongst the humans who would seek refuge in, from, in, in some of the jinn. When they would go outside and they would be traveling and they would go down to a mountain valley or a mountain pass and night would come upon them, but they would be afraid that there would be a jinn living there. So they would seek the protection of the jinn against the jinn. And Allah says, فَزَادُوهُمْ رَحَقًا But it only increased them in more fear. Right? So 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it. So that's the jinn, right? The whisperings are about the jinn or about humans. That we think that certain humans can help us or are divine or have certain um, divine qualities and attributes and so on. The whisperings are about them, right? That's the second opinion among scholars, some of the scholars of tafsir. And the other opinion is, um, and there are, there are a few uh, other opinions. One of them is that we seek refuge in Allah from Iblis and from the evil of humans and from the evil of the jinn. And one of the other opinions is that the minal jinnati wan nas from humans and from, from the jinn, it is referring to the whisperers. Right? The whisper, uh, sorry, who is being whispered to? Right? Opinion number one was the whisperers, that they can be human or jinn. This last opinion is that the whispering can be done to both human and jinn. We seek refuge in Allah, the one who whispers into the chests of people, min al from the jinn, meaning he whispers into the jinn and he whispers into the humans. Right? And this was the opinion of some of the scholars of tafsir. And it is also attributed to Al Imam al Tabari, that is, general, um, like the, what he doesn't say it explicitly, but generally what he seems to be saying is supporting that opinion. Right? And so you have this different difference of opinion, and the strongest two opinions amongst the scholars that you will find the most prevalent, that fall amongst like the overwhelming majority of the scholars of tafsir, are the first opinion and the last opinion. Either we seek refuge in Allah from the whisperings that can be from the jinn or from humans, or that the whispering is done to the humans and the jinn as well. Right? And the reason why the difference of opinion is because the humans we know that shaitan can whisper to. But can shaitan whisper to the jinn? Do the jinn have the same capacity or that shaitan comes and whispers to them in the same way and so on? We don't really know because there is no explicit hadith or verse of the Quran that speaks about this. And so the scholars who went for the first opinion, they rejected this final opinion because of that reason. <coughs> and they said that it's going into something that we don't know. Right? It's something which isn't supported in the Quran and the Sunnah, at least not explicitly anyway. And so therefore they went to the other opinion and that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to uh, the whisperers being human and jinn. And the final thing that I wanted to mention, inshallah, before we conclude, is this word jinnah, right? Min al jinnati wan nas. Jinn is the common word that is used in the Quran. Jinn is used in many verses of the Quran, uh, and it is used often along with ins, what right? humans and jinn mentioned. The whole surah is named after this. It is mentioned many times. The word jinnah is mentioned far fewer times. Only a handful of times in the Quran is the word jinnah mentioned. Right? What is the difference therefore between the two? Some of the scholars said that it's exactly the same thing. There is no difference between jinnah and jinn. Others said that jinnah is a more um, eloquent way of saying jinn. Right? It is refers to the plural and the species, but it is a more eloquent way of saying jinn. Right? It refers to more of the jinn. When you look at the verse of the Quran, some of the scholars of tafsir, they say that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the word jinnah, he mentions them in two contexts. Number one, he mentions it in the context of an overwhelming majority of jinn. When he's referring to the overwhelming majority of jinn, he uses the word jinnah. Right? So when Allah says, I will fill the fire of hell with jinnah and with humans. Right, jinnah meaning that the vast majority of them will go to the hellfire. Right, so it's for 
ta'meem. It is to generalize the meaning that the vast majority of them will be like this. And the second context in which jinnah is mentioned in the Quran is to degrade them. So the jinn, we know that there are good and there are bad. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the jinnah like he does also in Surah Al-Nas, it is to degrade them, humiliate them. Right? The whispers are from the jinnah and the nas. Why? Because there are jinn that are good, that don't do that. Right? That don't do that evil, that obey Allah, they worship Allah, they believe in Allah, and so on. But when Allah Azza wa wants to humiliate them here, He says, مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ And likewise Allah Azza wa says in the Qur'an, وَجَعَلُوا بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْجِنَّةِ نَسَبًا Some of them, meaning the Quraysh and the Arabs, they placed a lineage, a connection, a family line between Allah and between the jinnah. Because some of them said that the jinn are the daughters of Allah or that they are connected to Allah. Some of them said this. Right? But even those jinnah, Allah says in the Quran, they know that they too will be held to account. Meaning Allah is their creator and they will be held to account just as all of the other creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Allah is belittling them, humiliating them, degrading them in the Quran, he uses the word jinnah. Whereas jinn is a more generic word for the species, it refers to the good and it refers to the evil form amongst them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And with that, we come to the end of the tafsir of Surah Al-Nas. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Any questions? Anything online? No? Are we online? Okay. Oh, we are online. Oh, I was going to say. That's probably the reason why it's not there. Yeah. Sorry, say that again? Was the term jinn known before, even amongst the Arabs? Yeah, what seems apparent is that the, the term jinn was known amongst the Arabs, even before the Quran. But they understood, yeah. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they used to seek refuge from amongst the jinn, shows that it was a concept that was known, and you know, like they used to seek refuge. This is before revelation, right? Before the Quran, a practice amongst some of the Arabs. <coughs> Allah knows best. Yeah, so um, the question is when that hadith that we mentioned of the trying the three nuts that shaitan does at night and then you remember Allah, you make all the you pray and each one of those knots is untied. Surely the one who wakes up and they pray, they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What seems to be apparent from the hadith and Allah knows best is that that remembrance is referring to the, the morning adhkar or the, the dua that you make when you wake up. Right? So when you wake up and you praise Allah, Alhamdulillah, one of those duas, that is what is being referred to. Right? And then the second one is wudu, and the third one is, um, is the salah. And Allah knows best. Another hadith you mentioned a couple of weeks ago about um, after Salah blow, reading the Nas and Falaq and blowing into your hands and wiping over yourself. Can that be extended to Salah with children? So the hadith of uh, after uh, like blowing over yourself after reading Nas and Falaq and so on, that's for the night, not after Salah. Right? So after Salah, there's no blowing. The blowing one is at night. The Prophet will read these surahs and then he will blow over his body. Right? And yes, that can be done for children to blow over them. And the Prophet would blow over them and he would read other cards as well.
Okay, inshallah. Zakumullah khair, inshallah, next week same time. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi